Amen. Once again, I would thank you for coming along tonight. We're glad to see each and every one that has gathered in, and we welcome those as well who join us online tonight over the three platforms on which we broadcast. And we want to give a special welcome tonight to the Reverend Ray Kerskadden. He has been the minister of our church in Corrigari, but the Lord has burdened his heart for the work in Uganda. And he has been accepted by our mission board as a missionary to Uganda. And our brother is currently conducting deputation meetings around our churches. So we're delighted tonight to have him in Hillsborough. He's going to bring the word of the Lord and then report to us of the work in Uganda. Thank you, brother. You're very welcome. It's good to be with you here this evening, to be able to come and to bring God's word to you. And, and as our brother says, to present to you uh, the work in Uganda. I know uh, Reverend McMillan was with you uh, some t- not that long back. He was reporting on the work of the school. Uh, well, I'll be going to minister in the church uh, there at Emmanuel. That will be our main responsibility, will be the, uh, the work of the church there on that same missionary station. Uh, but we'll see more of that uh, in the video uh, later on. At this stage, I want you to turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, just a short reading, please, to gather Matthew 28 from the verse 16 uh, down to the conclusion of this, of this chapter, a portion uh, which we're more than familiar with. It is what is commonly known as the Great Commission, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, command to the disciples to go into all the world uh, with the gospel, uh, to baptize and to teach uh, those people. So we'll read there from verse 16, we read, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We do our own amen to this reading of God's precious word this evening. Can we just unite our hearts, please, for a moment before we would come to consider this precious truth tonight? Let us pray. Our loving God, our glorious Father in heaven, we do thank thee that we have this word before us. We thank thee, Lord, that we are not left to try and work our way through life on our own. But, Lord, that thou art with us. And Lord, thou hast given us this great revelation of thyself. O Lord, the revelation of a Savior. A revelation, Lord, of one who will guide us all through, all, all through this life. O Lord, be our portion even now this night. Fill me with thy spirit that thou may use me. O Lord, deliver us from merely going through the motions. Deliver me, Lord, from being here tonight and taking off a box of another meeting done. But Lord, may this be a meeting where we meet with thee. Lord, thou would meet with us, speak to our hearts, challenge us. Lord, we pray that thou will be glorified in this place tonight. Will be with us now. Hear our prayers, we pray. We ask them all in Jesus' glorious and wonderful name. Amen. And towards the end of David Livingstone's life, that great pioneer missionary was brought back home to his native Scotland to be honoured by his countrymen, and particularly the University of Glasgow. There was absolute silence, as David Livingstone told, of his experiences in the continent of Africa. 
His left arm hanging limp at the side, the result of being mauled by a lion some years before. He spoke of being bedridden with malaria and other fevers some 30 times. He told of various other hardships that he had faced in his journeys and his work through that vast continent. He suffered so much in Africa, and I would say if you could ask him, above all his losses and sufferings, was the death of his dear wife in that land. David, it was clear not just from his, uh, his uh, limp arm hanging to the side, but his frail body, it was clear to be seen that he had bore much in the land of Africa. And, and his friends and, and those at home, when they saw him, they were, they were concerned. And as they heard of all reports of all the things that he would have to face on a day-to-day basis and all the challenges that were his, well, there's many of them thinking that they were caring for him would try and convince David to not go back. Saying, David, is this not time for you to stay at home? David, surely you fought the good fight. Surely you ran the course. Surely you've done enough. It's time for you to stay at home. Why would you go back to that land telling us all the things that you faced? And this was David Livingstone's response. He said, I return without misgivings and with great gladness. Would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile, among people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and often hostile? It was this. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. On those words I staked everything, and they never failed me. It is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. So there's an end to it. Oh, David Livingstone, he he is here quoting these words in Matthew 28, verse 20. These words of Christ. Lo, I am with you always, even on to the end of the world. And David Livingstone is saying, I've taken these words. I've proved these words over and over again. Why would I not go back? Christ has proven himself faithful. The words of a gentleman. He's been faithful to these words, and that is why I go back. I have proved them before, and therefore I can rest in them for my future. David Livingstone would return to Africa one last time, and there his frail body would finally give up the ghost. Give up the ghost while on his knees beside his bed. Dead, left the scene of time, wanted to be with Christ in the attitude of prayer. There in front of him on his bed was his open Bible. His Bible was open at this portion that you have opened before you this evening. And written there beside verse 20 in his own handwriting, he had written the words of a gentleman. Now we can't be certain what David Livingstone prayed as he felt his life slipping away. As he knew that he was coming, uh, as he uh, having appeared to him, and as he as he was taking that last journey home, we don't know what it was he was praying. But I like to think of his Bible was open at this portion, and as he was in the attitude of prayer, as it appears he was, is it too much to assume that maybe one last time he was thanking his Savior for ever being faithful to these words. Was he thanking the gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor? We saw them as the words of a gentleman. That may mean very little to us in our modern context, but the words of a gentleman in David's Livingstone's day meant something. His honor was at stake. If a gentleman said something, he would do all in his power to make sure that he would do it. You see, he knew Jesus Christ was one who could not lie. 
A gentleman in the most strictest and sacredest honor. He was never going to defy his word. He had rested on these words. He rested on them to the very end. These words, we could call them, uh, these words, this was David Livingstone's life text. A text, these words he staked his, his all on, his future, his well-being, and even his end. These were the words to him, the words of a gentleman. Now, why do I bring these words to your attention tonight? Well, I want to make very clear, uh, our brother has already indicated that in the Lord's will sometime this year, we will, as a family, going out to the land of Uganda to labor for the Lord there. And therefore, maybe you're already thinking, as this man is going to Africa, is this man comparing himself to David Livingstone? I want to make very clear, I'm not doing that. I am no David Livingstone. I couldn't even lace the shoes of such a man. I'm the least of all the servants of God. But I, at the same time, while I say I'm no David Livingstone, I stand here tonight with no pride but say I serve the same God as David Livingstone. And I rest tonight in the same promise as David Livingstone. You see, David Livingstone, he took those words as his life tax. And for the very same reasons that David Livingstone rests in those words, I rest in them too, as me, my wife, and our family, as we would this coming year, venture out for the Lord and his will to Uganda. And for that reason, we have placed these words, those very words, Lo, I am with you always, even on to the end of the world, we have placed them on our prayer cards. These prayer cards, they are there available for you. Uh, please do take them, and you will see that is the tax that we have Upon it, it is uh, one of the duties for your prayer uh, for as uh, for any missionary uh, in every term is to pick a tax for their card. And I don't believe there's any more appropriate tax for any missionary than these words found here in verse twenty. Just consider the context. As I've said even before we began reading, the context is the Great Commission. The context here is the Lord Jesus Christ thrusting out his disciples as missionaries the gospel. Therefore, we see how appropriate these words are for the missionary. But as we would look at these words tonight, I want you to see with me that these are not just words for a mighty man of God like David Livingstone, or any lesser servant like myself, or anyone else, any other missionary. But I want you to see with me tonight that these are words for each and every child of the living God. Brothers and sisters, I put these words on the prayer, my prayer card. I claim them as words for me and my family, just as David Livingstone claimed them all those years ago as words for him. But I want you tonight to take them as words for you. These are words for you as much as they are for any other child of God. And therefore, with this in view, I want to title this, what remains of this little message to you tonight, I want to title it for more than a missionary. For more than... A missionary. Now, if you forget much of what I say this evening, if you forget much of what you hear in the video, if you forget much of the prayer requests uh, that are made, I suppose there will be a bit of disappointment. Yet at the same time, if you take nothing more than simply this title for more than a missionary and take it in context with this verse and see what I'm saying here, I will leave a happy man. That the next time you would turn to Matthew 28, verse 20, You'll say, I don't remember that man. There was, there was a man, I don't even know where, who he is or where he went to, but he preached in Matthew 28, verse 20, and he taught me that this promise of, lo, I am with you all, even on to the end of the world. He told us that was a message for more than a missionary. He told me that was a message for me. 
Never whatever battle, trial did you go through at that moment that this promise comes afresh to you. Or maybe you take my prayer card. As, as I said, they're there for you. And if you're, you're like me, there's many a thing can be slipped inside your Bible. And maybe that's where it'll remain for, for quite some time. Maybe it'll open. I would say it'll be a divine appointment when it does, when it opens and it falls out. Oh yes, you see my face and, and all that, but I trust you'll not be too distracted by that, but your eyes will turn to the text on that card. You will see the words again for more, or you'll see those words, Lo, I am with you all, we even on to the end of the world. And again, you'll remember, this is a message not just for him and his family. This is a message, this is a promise for me. That's my desire tonight. That you would lay hold of these words as words for you. I want to try very briefly prove in, in some small way that these are words for more than a missionary. See with me firstly this evening that these are words. This is a message. This is a message for doubting disciples. A message for doubting disciples. Verses 19 and 20 we read, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even on to the end of the world. Amen. As I have said, these words are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. And again, or maybe already, you can see how comforting these closing words of this verse 20 must have been to them. But you see, I want you to grasp tonight that why they are words of comfort, of course, and we can all accept how comforting this must have been to the disciples, and we'll see it more in a bit. With all that, you still can't accept that these are words of comfort for you. You can understand that here's these men being thrust out into the world with the gospel, how they can take comfort in that, but you can't identify with such a thing. You can't identify with, with these men. These men are going to be thrust out into all the world with the gospel. These men who are, who are going to embark on great missionary journeys. These men who would turn the world upside down. You can't identify with them. See, this is a promise for them. And how can I lay hold of this promise for me? I'm nothing like those men. But I want you to realize with me that these men, yes, they would do great exploits for God. But these men were still just men. They were just men at best. And as men, these men, these men, uh, their life, their life is a wonderful example to us of something that they're just not, they're not above us in such a way. They're not on a pedestal that we can't identify with. Because you see, these simple men had their own doubts and fears. These men were doubting Disciples, abundantly, made abundantly clear there in verse 17. Take verse 16 as well. It says, then the, the 11 disciples, so we see clearly that has been spoken of here, it is these 11 disciples, they went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, I can't plumb the depths of those three words this evening. I don't know if I could plumb the depths of them, even if I had uh, more than this evening. they you could say mysterious words. We cannot fully understand the, the thoughts, the, the fears, the doubts, the, the whole confusion that was going through these men's minds at this time. 
All that has occurred, their Savior has been taken from them. He's been crucified. He's risen from the grave. They've heard that he's risen. They're coming here now again to meet with him. There's so much thoughts going through their mind. We cannot begin to understand what was going through their minds. But let me suggest some other doubts. Some other fears that these men would have had. That maybe not referenced here in these words in verse 17. But doubts that no doubt they had. Doubts concerning their future. Doubts concerning this future based on the fact that the same Savior, the same one that they have followed is soon to depart from them. Oh, the doubts and the fears of the unknown. Certainly the doubts and fears concerning what Christ is asking them to do. If they didn't have doubts at verse 17, by the time we come to midway through verse 20, surely there was doubts arising. For here's the Lord Jesus Christ telling them to go out into all the world with the gospel. Doubts. Doubts and fears. These men have their doubts and fears. I'll be very honest with you this evening. I have my doubts and my fears. We all have doubts and fears. Our brother sitting here uh, before, before me tonight, uh, I think sometimes we can, uh, I worry that the people sitting in the pew can have a wrong idea about the man in the pulpit. That somehow we have our lives so perfectly together that we're in such a high, holy plane that uh, we're we this perfection and, and we don't have worries, we don't have cares, we don't have doubts. Well, it would be wonderful if we had reached that perfection, but sadly, none of us have. And even our brother, I'm sure he will admit it too, he has his times of difficulties, of challenges, of difficulties, doubts, fears. Never encourage you to pray for your minister. Pray for him. Oh, you have your doubts, you have your struggles, you have your battles, and there's nothing that's more probably comforting to you than to know that your minister is praying for you. But he's a man as well, and as you need his prayers, he needs yours. Oh, he needs your prayers, and I'm sure he would admit he has his doubts, his fears. Let me be clear about some of mine, be, to be honest. As I stand here tonight as one who has been accepted by our presbytery, by our mission board, uh, to go to Uganda, by one who is certain, I know of the Lord's leading and calling in our life to do so, Yet there's still doubts. There has been doubts, of course, that the Lord has resolved, but yet there's still struggles. There's still doubts. There's still those little niggles that are there. There was those, of course, the doubts way back at the beginning when the Lord would start, uh, as it were, burdening me for the possibility of going to the land. Doubts still concerning my ability. Doubts and fears like the disciples concerning just the unknown of the future. Doubts by bringing my wee family to a literal third world country. Oh, there's many doubts and fears there. Fears about the trials that may come. Doubts and fears about coping with leaving uh, uh, parents, grandparents behind. Doubts and fears about dealing with the loneliness of the mission field. Oh, I could go on and on. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do know I'm called. I'm assured of my call, but I want, what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to talk about myself, but what I'm trying to prove is that we all have doubts and fears, that we're not somehow a worse Christian than others if we sometimes have these doubts and these fears. See, we all have doubts and fears. And as we look at these verses before us, it is in the context of men with doubts and fears that the Lord Jesus Christ says, Lo, I am with you always, even on to the end of the world. This was a message for doubting disciples. Never, child of God, take comfort that this is a message for you. Never, whatever it is you're suffering, whatever trial it is you're going through, whatever doubts and fears you are facing, realize that you're no different to these men. 
If you're no different to these men, surely you can see, well, here's the end's a promise for me. Never, I hope you can see already with me tonight that why this is a message for more than a missionary. It is for every precious child of God. Take heart, Christian. Lord Jesus Christ is with you even unto the end of the world. And resting in this brings us to our next consideration. We've noted that these words of Christ, they are a message for doubting disciples. See with me secondly that this is a message of promised presence. It is a message of promised presence. Now in our first point we're really dealing with the context of the text. Or in other words, who was it the Lord Jesus Christ was saying these words to? And we've noted it was the doubting disciples. Now we come as we, uh, we're really coming to look, consider the content of the message. Or what was it that he said to his disciples? What was his message for these doubting disciples? And again, look at verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. The Lord He gives his great commission, this great commission to his disciples to go and to minister and to make disciples, to preach the gospel to those who have not heard. And he closes out these words of instruction to them. He doesn't just simply give them the command and leave it there. But then he goes on to say, Lo, I am with you always, even on to the end of the world. He closes out his words to his disciples with a promise. A promise of his presence. And as we will consider that, there's a couple of things I want us to note about this promise. Firstly, there is the timing of the promise. The timing of the promise. The Lord will soon depart from his disciples. These men who have followed him every day for those last three years, they're now preparing for him to go. And not only that, there have now this additional burden has been put upon them here to be sent out into the unknown, into the dangers of the world with the gospel. These men, of course, as we know, did have their doubts and their fears. Yet it was in the midst of those that Christ promises to be with them. Or while I would go as far as saying, we could say it is now, at this very moment, when their doubts and fears have really reached their pinnacle. It is at this very moment, at this perfect moment, that the Lord brings the promise to them. Or in other words, the timing of his promise was perfect. You see, what a comfort there should be in that for us. You see, the reality is that sometimes we carry our doubts, our fears, our burdens on our own. We don't share them with anyone. But see, there's one who knows. There's one who knows all about our cares and all our troubles. He knows, and he knows, and he can meet us at the very point of that need this very hour. The timing of his promise is perfect. See, the Lord knows about your struggles, about your battles. He can meet those needs. And his promise, maybe this very promise, is perfectly timed for you tonight. You're going through some dark folly. Maybe you're here tonight in the Lord's will to hear his promise again. Of lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Well, this promise was perfect for his disciples. It met them at the very point of their need. It met every concern that they had. Now, he wasn't just telling them what they wanted to hear, but what he was promising to them was something that he would hold to. The words of a gentleman, as David Livingstone knew them. Dear friend, he can meet you at the very point of your need tonight. That brings us on to another aspect of this promise, and it is the scope. 
the scope of the promise. He says, Lo, I am with you all the way, even on to the end of the world. Consider, really, the scope of this promise is, is there's twofold. First, he considered the word always. Lo, I am with you always. Or we could say, Lo, I am with you always. As I said, the disciples are, are wrestling with the fact that Christ will soon ascend back to heaven. And this, no doubt, filled them with dread. That Christ, the omnipresent God, even though he in his bodily form must leave them, he promises to still be with them as their God. He'll be with them always. Oh, they're so concerned that he's leaving. You can nearly, you can imagine it in your minds tonight. You can, you can hear them saying, Lord, don't leave us. And you can hear him in reply saying to them, I'm not leaving you. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. I will be with you always. I'm always going to be with you. I'm not leaving you. Now that brings us to the second wonderful part of this promise. Not just to say, Lo, I'm with you always, but he says, even unto the end of the world. Unto the end of the world. Again, a great cause of concern was the fact that they're being thrust out into all the world with the gospel. They're leaving their homes. They're leaving what they know behind them to go into the world with the gospel. They're going into the world. But he alleviates those fears by telling, I'll be with you even unto the end of the world. Wherever you may go, and to whatever, forever how long you go, I will be with you. I will be there always, to the very ends of this earth, to the very ends of time, I will be there. Therefore we can see how wonderful the words these are for any missionary to cling to. What words of promise to rest are all upon as we would go. But again I emphasize that these are words are for more than ones who cross the oceans. These are words for more than the missionary. See, whatever the struggle, whatever the value you may have to go through, maybe this year, maybe your life is all good to this point, but we don't know what is around the corner. Some dark folly, some great struggle, but you see, Christ says, I am with you all, even on to the end of the world. Even through that dark valley, I'm already there. Oh, this is a wonderful promise. Wonderful promise for more than a missionary. May you, like David Livingstone, see them as the words of a gentleman. The words for more than a missionary. But let me be very careful. And with this, I do conclude. I must be very careful to, uh, when you take, you can't, very careful that we don't just pick a few words out of a context and make them mean what we want them to mean. And uh, you see, I, yes, I do, I mean it. You can, you should claim these words of promise, but let us not ignore the context. You see, the context of this promise is service. The context of this promise is doing. And you see, may the promise inspire us all to do what we can in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. You see, with the promise, can we not all be willing to do? Oh, you don't need to cross the oceans. What about the neighbor? What about the family member? What about the friend? The one maybe you've tried sharing the gospel with before and they've, they've laughed at you or they've made you feel small and, or whatever they've done and you feel, I couldn't share the gospel with them again. I couldn't invite them out to another meeting in church. But if you can lay out the promise that Christ is with you, why would we fear? Know that Christ is beside you. Why would you worry? Well, may we lay hold of the promise. But then I say to you, see, if, if the promise, if the promise is for more than the missionary, well then so is the command. 
You see, we cannot divide the promise from the command. The command is the great commission. The promise is his presence. We cannot separate the two. And there I say this, dare any of us claim the promise if we're not willing to obey the command? Well, let us do what we can. Let us do it where we can. Let us do it for as long as we can, trusting in these words. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Trust the Lord. We'll take his word and bless it to our hearts uh, this evening. At this point, uh, we're going to uh, watch a video. It's not that long, 13 minutes. And I trust it will give you some insight into the work the Lord is calling us to. As I look at my life, I can see it's definitely been a journey. Maybe not the journey that I would have planned, not the way I would have written that, but the Lord has written it. The Lord in in glory past has planned my life. Giving a word of testimony is always a joy for a Christian to do. And as I consider my testimony, that's what I see. I see the Lord's hand from my childhood, through my school years, into work, into college, into employment. And see that all those things have been working together in accordance with God's will. It really is. It is amazing uh, to think of the doors that the Lord closed and the disappointments that have came. But then to see doors open again and the excitement and the joy, it's amazing just to see that the Lord has been at all from the very beginning. I have to say my burden for the land of Uganda goes back quite some time. It was back even before there was a free Presbyterian at work in the land. Back in 2013, really as a beginning student in college, it was really then uh, the Lord challenged me actually to pray that the Lord would open the free Presbyterian work in that land. I knew very little of the land, uh, but yet this was the burden that the Lord put upon my heart and I began to pray. And it was amazing to see how the Lord answered those prayers. When the Lord uh, answers such a prayer, the first, of course, the first question comes to mind is, well, is the Lord opening this door for me? to serve. But then in the time to come it appeared it was opening for others. I have to say there was very mixed emotions for me at this time. In one sense I was glad the Lord again had answered my prayers and had provided someone to go and to labour there. While at the same time I have to say I don't know if it's the right word but there was a jealousy that maybe that wasn't opening for me. And it was as the years go on the Lord did burden me to go to Corrigari to County Monaghan and very much I knew that was the Lord's will at that time. But then uh, with it appeared a door opening again for the land of Uganda. Very much the question came to me, well, is it now my time to go? I left it very much with the Lord. If the Lord, if he wanted me to go, that somehow uh, the mission board would approach me and it would be spoken to, to go. I left this with the Lord. Some time later, I had to ring Reverend McMillan one Sunday afternoon. And then just in the process of conversation, I don't know the exact words that Reverend McMillan used, but it was something along the lines of, had I ever considered serving the Lord on the mission field and it was really at that moment the Lord really struck my heart again with with this uh, burden Reverend McMillan may not have knew my burden uh, but the Lord knew and it was the Lord was truly I believe asking that question and not our brother it was frightening to think the Lord is opening this door it's one thing to be burdened and even have that excitement of maybe there being a possibility but when it starts to become real uh, a nervous definitely set in I first visited Uganda then in March uh, 2022. Now that wasn't when it was planned to go. It was planned to go in May of 2020, but then 
uh, COVID happened, uh, then uh, there was much waiting, uh, there was much anxious waiting at, at, at some degree, but yet the Lord was very good and, and stilled me, uh, gave me patience, gave me great opportunities even within those times to uh, preach there via Zoom, and then getting to go at, uh, and see people face to face. That was a, a wonderful experience to see these people that I had been ministering to, to stand beside Master Thomas as he translated all these things. It was a, it was a wonderful experience to uh, to actually first-hand to be there amongst the boys and girls and the people within the church. In my time there, there was there was a few girls uh, came to us at, at various times and were counselled. I remember preaching a very simple assembly. I brought some lollipops over me from home, some uh, 450 lollipops. I did a simple object lesson on, uh, on the free gift that I was given to, and of course the free gift of salvation. And, and then to speak to those girls and hear that it was those things that I had said, and just listened to what they were saying to me, that the Lord had spoken to them through that. It very much was a seal, I believe, on my call to the land of Uganda. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing to see the Lord at work, and it really was the Lord had done these things. I remember the first one, it was really a shock. It was really, as a minister, you think you're always ready, prepared for such things, but we live in a day of much barrenness, and it was so encouraging to see some come and show that interest in the things of the Lord, and to counsel them and point them to Christ. I was there in March of 2022. I suppose uh, I regretted that I didn't bring uh, Rhonda and the children with me that time. It was, I suppose, I very naive, knew very little about the mission field, and I was going to thinking mosquitoes and disease and danger everywhere. But very much when we were there, it was a, a safe place, it's a, a very welcoming place. Very much it feels like a family. Uh, you have children boarding there, some 80 children boarding, and there's, there's always activity. You're never, it's never quiet and you're never lonely. And I believe the Lord gave me a comfort in this, thinking that this it could be a place uh, that you could raise a family, even with the challenge. Of course, there are challenges and difficulties, yet there was an ease given to me. And really, I wanted my wife and uh, the children to come out with me, even just to experience and, and see that for themselves. It was then arranged in June of 2022 to revisit the land of Uganda, to bring Rhonda, my wife, to bring John, George and Ayla Grace out as well. And uh, at first that was really exciting, the thought of going out and then reality kicks in that you're going to bring three small children on very long flights uh, to Africa. But even from the beginning to the end of that journey, uh, our children have never been better. And we could see the Lord's hand was clearly in this. The people were praying for us uh, when we made it to the compound. Uh, very quickly we were uh, surrounded by children and really the, our boys and uh, Isla Grace, they settled in so fast. It wasn't just that they played with the boys and girls, that they got on with each other, but those true friendships were formed. Even since returning there's been letters have been sent both ways and it's amazing to see that uh, the Lord has answered prayers concerning this. was really one of our chief concerns about going to the land of Uganda. How do you raise young children in a foreign, in a foreign culture? Uh, really the Lord has been so good uh, I believe in answering those prayers for us even for Rhonda too uh, this has it's been a it was a great experience to be in Uganda to experience firsthand to uh, to see the potential uh, she was amazed to see the potential that there is there in that land and even even uh, things that she can do she has a real passion for working with children uh, being a teacher for for several years and uh, working within state education and in Christian education uh, she can see there's much that she can do there too in that land.
Coming home from Uganda, that second visit, it was very much, uh, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't really delay any longer, that something needed to be done. Um, having applied to the Mission Board to serve in the land of Uganda, I'm very happy that uh, the Mission Board have been very supportive, very helpful, very, some very wise counsel given. And now at this stage, being approved by the Mission Board and by Presbytery, uh, we are with great excitement look, uh, look forward to travelling out to the land of Uganda as a family. Having been now in the land of Uganda twice, it's very much clear to me there is a, a great work to be done uh, in the church that is there. Uh, there are some wonderful people in the church, but uh, there is clearly a need for some sound biblical teaching. Just, just the very basics uh, there is very much a need to, uh, to develop that, develop their understanding of the simple truths uh, of the scripture. Um, there's, there's much confusion in the land. There's uh, much charismatic influence. There's also much challenge in the area too of, of Catholicism and Islam, where the church is located, that really are the two main, two main religions. So being able to combat that and trying to minister in that, that will be definitely be the, some of the great challenges of, the, of our time there. I think from the beginning of our time in Uganda, we will have to very much get ourselves involved in the learning of the language. Of course, there is the children, they speak English, they're taught, uh, in English in the school, but the community, it's clear to be seen that there's many of the people who speak only in Uganda. So that'll be a challenge for myself and for Ronda, and indeed as the family, as we maybe to, together would learn the language. I think it is vitally important that I'm able to communicate with the people in their own language. There's much can be lost in translation. I think even just from a personal thing, for those people to see, here's this outsider, yet he's willing to learn our language and he, he wants to speak to us in our language. I think that's so important as a church and even in, in evangelism. Well, what are we going to do about Are we going to hide? Even outside of the work, the immediate work of the church, there is much opportunity in the, the community. I remember one phone call I had with Reverend McMillan and I told him that was probably uh, my biggest difficulty was there was so many, much opportunity, it was so very hard to see uh, what the right door to take was, and that's really where we need much wisdom. Uh, every week there is a weekly open air. Uh, it's wonderful to see you go to a little village, you set up your equipment, and the children and the adults, they just come out of nowhere, they sit down and they listen to you. It's, it's really not like anything that we have here at home. It is just a wonderful opportunity to see the potential that there is uh, in the community. Uh, there is a great opportunity to go around the doors and, and visit people, to give out tracts, to give out new beginnings uh, translated into Uganda. There's so many opportunities. You go down little paths thinking there's nobody and you find house after house and um, so many people, so many opportunities in that way. I can see going forward, maybe not in, in the immediate future, but definitely as we go down, uh, spend some time in the land of Uganda, I believe there's great potential for establishing further works. There's so many people, so much keenness and interest in the gospel. I believe there is great potential for the establishing and planting of other churches. I suppose we can have a very romantic view of the mission field, and, and I've read many missionary biographies, and those things, they're, they're inspiring, and 
it's wonderful to sort of feel that you're entering into such labours, but at the same time, I know I'm not one of those men. I know there's many challenges, many difficulties, loneliness even, just simple things like that. There's, there is concerns, um, very personal concerns, I suppose, in leaving a family behind, leaving elderly parents and so forth. And I say that's probably the biggest concern we have at this time. I consider my life really from those early days growing up on a farm to uh, going to back into education, going into Christian school, going into the ministry and, and now venturing out onto the mission field. There's, uh, there's clearly an, there is an excitement to see that the Lord has been working all these things together and that's uh, an encouragement that the Lord has a purpose and a will in all these, that, he, that all those years that this is what he's been working towards. It's, it's amazing to think what the Lord has uh, for us in the days ahead. While this step is very new to us uh, and a very steep learning curve, we acknowledge that. There's much to learn and we will be learning all the time. But we know with all the challenges, all the difficulties, we are not going alone. Those words of Christ are very comforting to us there in Matthew chapter 28. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Uh, take it for granted, it is a privilege to be able to come and to present uh, the work to you. And uh, there's a lot of recording went into that 13-minute video, and there's a lot uh, didn't make the cut. And I trust it does give a, an insight into the work. But if you have any questions, uh, don't be afraid to ask uh, before you leave this evening. I'm more than happy to, to answer any questions, try and answer any questions that you have for us. But I just want to leave a few prayer requests, some uh, really that come out of uh, that video and ask you to pray for us. Uh, the first thing is pray for our family. I know we've been part of this denomination. We are very good at remembering our missionaries and, and praying for them. And that's uh, one of the great encouragements we have as a family. We know that the Lord's people are going to be praying for us. Uh, but something that maybe that we do overlook maybe at times is, is not the missionary, but the families who are left behind. As we would leave my mum, uh, Rhonda's mum and dad. Uh, Rhonda's dad turned 88 there back in the summer. So they're all getting on in years and it's going to be very hard leaving them. Uh, it's going to be very hard for them uh, saying their goodbyes to, to Rhonda and to the grandchildren. Uh, so please, I ask you, remember them in your prayers uh, when you're praying for us. The Lord's grace will be sufficient uh, for us and for them. Uh, pray too for wisdom. Uh, we need much wisdom. It's mentioned in the video. There's many opportunities. We uh, didn't really list off all the different opportunities that there are, but there's so many opportunities, be, be it with amongst the children, uh, be it in evangelism, in the prisons, in the open air, and so many things, so many opportunities. But we need wisdom to make sure that we go through the right doors at the right time, that we take the right opportunities, the ones that are actually the ones that the Lord would have us to take. So please do pray for us uh, that we would know much wisdom in this regard. And then really building upon that, because there is so much to do, uh, one of my main prayer requests that I leave with you is to, that you would pray that the Lord would send forth more labourers into his mission field. That he would send some more families and some, uh, some others from here 
in Ulster. They would sand them out. And they would too raise up some natives in the land as well. Uh, there's so much work to be done. Uh, there is a great need for, for many workers. Uh, I stand here tonight. If, I don't know if you had Noreen uh, McAfee when she was here last, back home on deputation. But if you did, you'll know that one of her main prayer requests was for a family to go and to fill the pulpit there in Uganda. It's very humbling uh, to think that, I, that myself and our family, we are the answer uh, to that prayer. But it's also a great encouragement to us, I believe, as a nomination, that the Lord does hear our prayers. The Lord has answered uh, that, may, that prayer request that our sister left with us. And if the Lord has done it before, he can do it again. So let us pray on that the Lord would raise up more laborers for uh, that great harvest field, which is uh, Uganda. But above all these things, I ask you for a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. Oh, we can have all the workers, we can have all the opportunities. And you know, I mentioned in the video how, how the interest that there is. And there is a wonderful interest. They'll, they'll take gospel tracts off you. They'll take John's Gospels off you. They'll take Dr. Kearns' New Beginning translated into Legandon. They'll sit and they'll read all those things. And, and they'll sit and listen to me preach in the open air. And they'll do all those things. And all those things are wonderful. And as ministers, we, love, we want that. We want a keenness. But still, if there isn't a moving of the Spirit, all that and all the works and all the interests, it's all in vain. There needs to be that outpouring of the Spirit and the salvation of souls and the building up of the sea. And so please do pray uh, to that end, and that in the Lord's will, when I return to you uh, sometime in the future, that we'll be able to report of the great things that the Lord has done, even in our first term in the land of Uganda. I want to thank you again so much for, your opportun- for the opportunity uh, to be here. There is a table there at the door with a few items on it, different things from Uganda. Don't be afraid to, uh, to pick any of them up. They're, they're, I'm not protective of them in any way. My wife's certainly not protected of, of those horns. She'd be glad if they didn't get back home again. Uh, so don't be afraid uh, to look and touch and ask any questions. As I say, I'll be only too glad to try and answer them for you. So thank you very much. I'll hand back to our brother now. Thank you. I do want to thank the Reverend Kerskadden this evening on your behalf. Uh, we do appreciate the word that he has brought to us tonight, truly the word of a gentleman. And may the Lord write that word, that promise upon each of our hearts. Lo, I am with you always. And also for the presentation tonight that again is brought before us, the work in Uganda. And we trust that you will remember that work in your prayers. And do pray for our brother and his wife and family as they soon take their leave from these shores to go uh, to that land to labor for the Lord. There will be a retiring offering tonight. That offering is to go to support our brother as he goes to Uganda. And I know that here in Hillsborough, you've always been very liberal with your missionary offerings. And we ask you to remember that as you leave this evening, the retiring offering. There are the missionary cards, as our brother has indicated, and you can take them as a reminder to pray uh, for our brother. And there's also that place on the card if you would like to support our brother on a regular basis. You can fill that part of the card in and return it to our mission board office. At this point, we're going to sing a couple of verses of a hymn, and it is a missionary hymn, 673. And you'll notice in the hymn, it mentions 